Sitting in the studio with the lovely Rowany. Rowany, you want to say hello? Hi, guys. Yes, how are you today? I'm excellent. Rowany is a, a very strong, uh, sophisticated, mm. uh, uh, she's got the whip kind of uh, humor, you know, that it, it kills you and, and you love it at the same time. You're not sure. It's kind of a sadomasochistic thing, kind of thing. Uh, and she's a very active part of uh, Bangalore's uh, queer community. She is currently the facilitator of WAC, uh, which we all know is one of my great loves in the world. And, uh, yeah, so we have lots to talk about today, lots to get into. I want to know a lot more about Rohini and share it with you. Um, strong Indian woman, strong queer Indian woman, just the kind we want to have on Lavender Ladies, Lavender Life, sorry. So, Rohini, how did we meet? I actually can't remember the first time we met, but the first time we talked properly was at my first WAC meeting, okay. which happened in December 2010. Wow, you remember the, the, the month and the, well, and the year? Well, 2010 and the... was a big year for me because I came out to queer Bangalore in okay. just before 2010 Pride. Okay, okay. And I was like, where are the women? Because there were so few women. Where are the women? women? Which is why we have that segment. Yeah. And so important. And then someone said, oh, here's, here's this email. So I, I joined the email group. Uh-huh. And then I, I saw all the arguing and all the discussing and all the, you know, all the information happening on the group. Uh-huh. I was a little overwhelmed. And then I yes. said, I have to meet these people in person. Yeah. Because yeah. That's, I wanted that as well. I wanted a place where I was safe enough to have loud arguments and really bitter discussions and at the same time communicate and hmm. you know I wanted all those forms of communication I didn't just want people who were like yes yes we're we're all queer we're all women <laughs> we love each other I, I wanted I wanted you know friends you wanted family it yeah, sounds like is what I you wanted, wanted the whole hmm. the whole shebang hmm. and hmm. I got it you did you did with whack we we do get it we get that we get the good bad and ugly are you out yes Yes. And what does that mean to you? Because what I found is, is describing out, it's, you know, it's, it's a very subjective kind of thing. I generally don't make announcements. Hmm. In the sense that, you know, I don't, I don't bring it up in conversation. Correct. If someone talks about it and suddenly they're talking about their, their loved ones mm-hmm. or they're talking about boyfriends and girlfriends and they make a comment about if they're a girl and they make a comment about, you know, what boys are like or if they're, they're a boy and they're like, you know, what, what girls are like. I sort of, at that point, I say... I say, well, I'm bisexual or I'm pansexual or I'm queer. I say one of those things. So I see a bit more of it because uh, I don't. Right. I think that at that point, the conversation has gone to a place where the omission, uh, it's not a lie, but the omission kind of hides a little bit. I understand what you're saying. I understand exactly I what you're saying. And is, you know, and I usually say it in the sort of, sort of, haha, you know, I disagree with you or I have some information you don't have kind of way, hmm. which is always fun. Mm. But um, I've only, you know, I've, I've, the only times I've made announcements were a long time ago before I actually did anything queer, before I told the world to tell some of my friends. You know, I'm so you, you said you came out in 2010 yeah, to officially. the community, but when did you come out to your family? The same year, that, that pride, I came out to my mom. 
because okay. she, she, you know, suddenly I was going to all these queer events, and she would say she was really glad that I was going out and that I was meeting new people. Okay, she said she thought I was being sort of NGO-ish, you know, okay, okay. community service. Uh-uh. She thought, why don't you do something else? There are other people, and then I said, I'm, I'm bisexual. And I thought these are said, my people. Yeah, mm. and then she was like, well, yes, but if you meet a guy, then then you would be straight. And I said, no, no, yeah, no. yeah. Um, it's it's like. You're married to to daddy, and but that doesn't mean that the rest of the men on the world don't exist. Right, right. You know, and without saying that that anything's missing here, they they're still there. You're right. still a straight woman. You're not one man. Sexual. Yes, yes. You're not you're not confined to that one yeah. man as your whole and total sexuality. So I told her that, and I think you know, in some ways, they're all still very uncomfortable with it. I told my dad about it the next year because I was writing for the WAC blog. Okay. And my dad was behind me. Oh. And he read out, we're here and queer. Ah. Are you queer? And, you know, point blank like that. I tried to pass it off, and then my dad was not having it. He said, are you queer? And I said, yes. All and right. And he said, well, one more thing for you to worry about. Uh, I think this is what our parents worry about, is how yeah. many things do we have to worry about uh, if we have... Uh, Lives like yeah. most of us do that have tangled bits. Yeah. You know, is this going to be one more that's kind of kind of kind of encompass us? Yeah, and uh, yeah. maybe so, take over. So yeah, I'm okay. feeling very special and important. <laughs> Ooh, Rohini. Yes, yes. I think that's that's good. Feel special. You are special, Rohini. I Aww. I mean, I've I've known you for many years. You you came out of the closet like you roared out of the closet. <laughs> Um, you, 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 and you took your place in our community, uh, in our support groups. And it's not that you're just part of WAC. You've done lots of different work. You've worked with Bangalore Queer Film Festival. You've worked with Bangalore Pride. You've done Queer Reads, the book club that is in yeah. Bangalore. You've done lots of things. You're out to your parents. You've told us how they kind of handled the news uh, yeah. initially. It's a daily uh, balancing act. Like, I think if I leave uh, queer books, lying around that that say very clearly that they're queer books. Right. My parents will sort of go, put this away somewhere. Okay. Not hidden, but not just lying around where if someone walks in, they'll mm-hmm. just see it on the table. Because okay. I'm not out to the, the larger extended family. Okay, you're not out to the larger I, extended family. I don't need family. to be. I don't, I don't see that it's any of their business. Right. Even if I was straight, it's none of their business, unless they're close enough to me that right. I feel like I'm lying to them. Roni, since since we're talking about family, uh, I know that a lot of queer women in India have very specific issues with their family, mm. trying to marry them off, um, trying to uh, ensure that they get married at a certain time, um, trying to make sure that they have an arranged marriage, match the horoscope. How mm. have you found that to be? You know, I have been very, very, very lucky because, in general, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I have not ever necessarily thought of being married. Okay. Of being especially legally married, okay. I have issues with uh, having my relationship. It's it's more it, it's a very silly rebellious issue, but I feel uncomfortable with the notion of the state recognizing my partnership. Okay. I feel I feel like it's unnecessary. There are all these things, these benefits that the state mm-hmm. will give you for being in a relationship, mm-hmm. and I I'm kind of like, you know bleep you and your recognition of my relationship. Yeah. I, I, I feel... But how does your family feel about so it? So the thing is, yeah. um, my family knew that I felt this way because I would say things, you know, mm-hmm. like respectfully towards your relationship because you guys have a strong relationship mm-hmm. and I love the way you guys are and you love the way you are, so that's mm-hmm. good. But I don't 
feel that. I don't feel the need for that. When mm-hmm. I was a little girl, Barbie never married. Yes. You yes, know? I understand. What she did saying. all sorts of things, but she never married. Mm. So my even before they knew about my sexuality, they knew that I was not thinking of getting married. Okay. And I think at some point, you know, they want me to be happy. They want the person I marry, if I marry someone, to be happy. Like, imagine this poor person being married to me. And, and, and I'm, not being, yeah. Not and I'm, I'm being very clearly, no, I hate this. I hate you. Yeah. I don't like this. So unless I change my mind, they were quite clear that they would not ask me to. And I think it's a disappointment to both of them, at least to my dad, you know, because I think he, he dreamed of that, right? Of course. The thing that you dream of, of marrying course. off your daughter. Yeah. Doing it, you know, in style or not yes, in style yes, or classy. Yes, yeah. So I think I think my dad struggles with it more okay. than I do, uh, than my mom does. But he's he's so good about it, you know. In some mm. ways, that's that's more acceptance than someone who who understands and accepts. Yeah. He just wants me to be happy. How old were you when you first realized your identity? You know, um, I I always think this is weird because I did not know that there was a thing like homosexuality until I was. 15, 16, hmm. and I heard about that when I was reading some random thriller, one of these racy thrillers mm-hmm. that my gran had in her cupboard. I think someone gave it to her, and she she took two, she took a look at it and said, "Nope, hmm. I'm not reading that." But so there was a gay character in that, All right. not not positively portrayed. Okay. So then I was sort of like, "Well, that's that's sort of what I'm doing," you know, because I was noticing that I was fixating on on. Dear God, I hope she's not listening. But my best friend okay. at the time. And I, you know, I'd sort of crossed that line between the friendship love and the crush love. Okay. And, you know, it, it, it happens, I think. It, yes. It happens, I think, sometimes, is, is especially when we're newly coming out. Yeah. Uh, you know, because we, I already loved her, you know, in, in, yes. because in she a, was in my que- best friend. Yes, yes. And so that's where all the feelings went. Yeah. And I, I was freaked. Yes. And I was behaving badly, in the, not badly, badly, but, you know, I was, I was ruining the friendship. I did ruin the friendship for a while until I kind hmm. of went, okay, there's this thing about you. There's something weird about you. And then I sort of, you know, I accepted that. It, but it was still, there's this something weird about you acceptance. Okay. And then I went to Mount Carmel College. Hmm. And um, then I spent, I spent those two years sort of going, okay, you, you feel this way, and learning to hide it. Because in Mounts, if you were... Uh, if you, if you, because somebody else approached the wrong girl, hmm. and then there was a scandal for three, right. for three weeks, right. and I felt so sorry for her, and hmm. you know, so I was. So you, you, you were primar- primarily brought up in Bangalore. Primarily brought up in Bangalore, very, you know, very middle, upper middle class, very English speaking, uh, goes to an English speaking school, co-educational. You, you know, you learn the words for for men who behave in effeminate ways and you, yes. you learn them in a derogatory way and yes. you, you know, so then you don't learn the words for women because people just sort of go, Oh, you're, you're frigid or you're, you're a tomboy or we didn't, we didn't use yes. words like that yes. in school. Maybe yes. no one knew them. Yes. But you know, I sort of learned. And then at some point I just sort of went, I think I read the right book. I don't even remember what I read, but I read something and I put it down and I remember thinking, okay, I've been looking at this the wrong way. So then I started telling friends. Told and how friends. old were you when you started telling friends? This would friends? have been somewhere between um, between eighteen and between seventeen and twenty. Also, I, at this time, I met uh, um, my boyfriend's best friend was a girl who was okay. bisexual. Okay. And uh, she would have when, when my boyfriend and I broke up. She was my next. We didn't have a word. We had something. 
All right. Didn't. But, you know, that, that helped because I met a person who said, oh, yeah, I like, she didn't have a word for it, but she said, I like girls. And her, girl, her previous girlfriend had only girlfriends. Hmm. So there was this kind of exposure to a culture. And then I was, I don't even think it was a lesbian book. I was just reading something and it was a love story. And I put it down and I said, okay, new way to look at this. Mm-hmm. And I still, I shied away from the words. I didn't tell people. I didn't tell a lot of people. I said, no, I'm probably not. Maybe I'm just experimenting and, you know. Well, I think there's a, I mean, when you're coming out, there is a lot of denial that you have to kind of go through and an acceptance of self that happens. And people sort of, when they listen to me now, they say, oh, there's no way you were, you were shy or you were frightened. But I was, you know, I did the same things. I, just because I'm loud in many ways, doesn't mean that I wasn't frightened or that I'm not frightened now sometimes that I don't. When I have those, moments. I think that's a really good point, Rohan. You know, because because it's the same thing has been. Uh, yeah, I've been questioned in the same way, and they say, "Well, but you're so out now." I was uh, closeted for many, many years, yeah. and 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 terrified. Not I, not even. I mean, terrified as in terror, petrified. Could not move from it's my fear. A physical fear. It was a physical fear, it, and it, and it immobilized me. Mm. So I think uh, you know, and and it took me a long time to get past that, mm. but. Much like you, yeah. once we did, we came out with a roar. Yay! Yeah. Roar, fire woman, <laughs> hear me roar. All right, have you ever faced homophobia? You know, um, I have, I've seen instances of it in people to whom I talk, because my friends' boyfriends, for instance, mm-hmm. when I, if I've told my friends and they have a long-term partner, you know, it comes up in conversation. I'm not, okay. And I, don't, I, I forget to filter. Mm. And I sort of see it in their eyes, that moment of, uh, uh. Mm. Or, you know, people who didn't like me in school who, who when I tell them now, are kind of like, yeah, oh. yeah, I can see that. Mm. You know, you were a bitch then. <laughs> sorry, sorry. You, were, you weren't a nice person then, and now you're kind of sexually weird. It fits together. You mm. can see it happening. But I, you know, I, uh, the, the jobs I do are usually through networks of people who know what I am or don't care what I am mm. or they don't matter. Do you, do you think that your cultural background uh, affected your coming out in the different kinds of ways? First, we have to talk about if you could do it all again, what would you do? Um, if I could do it all again, I would, I would read different things. I would, I would have found, and I had access to the internet, I would have found places that could tell me about sexualities, not to give me a term for myself, but to explain to me that I could be anything that I was. Mm. And so long as there was informed consent, it was okay. That there was, there was social pressures to be a certain way, mm-hmm. but I could be something else and it wouldn't be a bad thing. And I knew about social pressures. And it pressures. was a possibility. It was a possibility. As a feminist, you kind of know that you're socially pressurized to be a certain kind of woman. I wish I'd sort of understood that you're also socially pressurized to be a certain kind of sexual being. Hmm. And mm-hmm. I would just have read different things if I'd known. I wouldn't, what I are wouldn't, some of the things that you would have read? Well, you know, I'd, I sort of look, uh, <laughs> I'd have found as, as soon as possible, um, there's this thing that um, I, I heard about in uh, American feminists do where they, where they just take a mirror out and look at themselves. Yeah, look they at their look, whole bodies. They look at their mm. bodies. They look at their, their genitalia. They examine themselves. And you know what? That is something that even talking about makes me a little uncomfortable even now. But it's just, the, in some ways, being a person means that you have to be comfortable with the thing that houses you. This is my body. This is my house. Mm. If I demand that my room be a certain way, 
And if I demand that my bedroom be a certain way, then I should be able to say this is what my body is. I know where everything is in my room. I should know what everything is doing. That's right. And, and, uh, you, I mean, I know you you know about this article that I put on uh, WAC because I, I remember about sexual we, health. Yeah, uh, sexual health and uh, about uh, about the different sexual organs that we have yeah. as women and how a lot of them they haven't even been properly looked at. Yeah. Until the 2000s. And I don't know what it's like in America, but we do not learn this stuff in school. There's no yeah. one who takes you aside and goes, these are the things that you have. These are the things yeah. that, that are going to affect you no matter yeah. what you do for the rest of your life. Yeah. You know, the way your heart affects you, the way your kids exactly. affect you. And it's your hormones, yeah. right? It, I mean, yeah. it affects everything about us. It affects our moods. It affects, uh, it affects everything, the way we think. So what I would have done differently was find different ways to educate myself. All you right. know, maybe I'd have read a few manuals. I think, I think that, that probably one, would have been much easier if there had been more information out there also. Yeah, right? but I think the internet just, you know, okay, you know, if I couldn't find information, I'd have watched more lesbian porn. Ah, okay. I'm just saying, even Alrighty. that, even though it's, you know, it's it's made for the male gaze, but even watching that when I uh, did see, it no, very I, late. I, no, I disagree completely. Now, when we're talking about, like, lesbian sex uh, porn, pornography, mm-hmm. I mean, I have no problem with the idea of pornography, as a whole, I have no I, no problem with the idea of lesbian pornography, but straight male lesbian pornography yeah. is just no, but you know what? When when before I knew about this, even that would have been something, you mm. know, because I just internalized all of my feelings so much that I didn't go looking. I was afraid to look. I was afraid to find out. I was, you know, I and I usually read about things. I I wanted to know who was who was in charge of Andhra Pradesh, I'd go and read about it. I'd right. look online for it. There was news right. online. I'd look right. at newspapers. I did not do this about myself. I, I read... It's interesting how we, we don't. We don't. I didn't yeah. look. I read Mills and Boons. That was mm. all I read. So yeah. even my straight um, sexuality knowledge was Mills and Boons knowledge, mm. which is very... Limited. Very limited and very, yeah. you know, very old-fashioned in, in gender roles. Mm. So I, I just kind of circumscribed myself so much. And I, you know, now I would have gone back and looked at the stupid things online. I'd have looked at the porn online. I'd have looked, I'd have looked for, for things that talked about... What about your, your cultural... Uh, we were talking about your cultural background earlier. How do you think that affected your coming out process? Because obviously something affects us all, right? Yeah. And it's our first le- overlay of understanding our own... Um, personal, our, our family's beliefs are, are sometimes our, our, our own first beliefs. You know, um, my family has, my mother's side of the family at least, and my mother was the one who talked about this the most. My dad wouldn't talk about, he didn't talk about the women in his family in the sense of education and in the sense of independence. He talked about them in terms of strength and in terms of what they'd suffered. But my mom would say things like, you know, we're very clear that the women in our family must be educated. Hmm. We, we want them to have jobs. We want them to, to be intelligent, uh, coherent women who read and are in touch with the world. Okay. And it doesn't matter if they don't have a job, but they must be people in their own rights. My mom was very clear about hmm. this. And Individuals. It was a, yeah. And it was the kind of family where people, you know, would, would go abroad to study. You right. Know, um, the money would be found to do it. Or they would go somewhere to study. They would, mm-hmm. they would study. Yes. So there was that. And at the same time, there was also this, I was, I was always a very badly behaved child mm-hmm. in the sense that I wasn't a good girl. I wasn't a quiet girl. <laughs> so for me, there was always a sense What? You, of, Rohini, not yeah. quiet? 
I can't you know? imagine. So that you know, there was there was kind of this feeling of oh my god, one more way in which I'm a weird girl. Hmm. But at the same time, there was also one more way in which I was being myself. All right. So it it, it was different pressures. I think it's still different pressures to to be different sorts of things, including myself. I think that's for all of us. Mm. I think that's mm. that's something that uh, you still explore. Yeah, you you still have to keep exploring. What are your thoughts uh, on uh, love and all stuff lavender? Meaning monogamy, poly- polyamory. <laughs> Let's talk about it. What do you want in a relationship? Are you single? I, I, you know, I, it's hot. I'm single right now. I've been single for a very long time, and I'm only just deliberately stepping out now to be right. dating and not being single. She's stepping out, ladies. Yes, yes, yes. But, um, so, you know, all of this right now is theoretical. We have mm. no clue what will actually happen mm. if I'm in a relationship. But I, I think I'm more interested right now in commitment than in monogamy. Um, I think if we have a discussion, and I do, I do like the idea of having a, a discussion on meeting two or date two or whatever to say, this is what we want. And if, if someone says they want monogamy, then I, I think I'm, I'm willing to at least commit to that. But I demand whatever we end up doing, if we're, if we're an open relationship, if we, if we don't set, those, set any boundaries, I still demand the honesty of it. Because right. that's what the commitment... Monogamy in and of itself just means that you, you limit your activities to one person. <laughs> but That the, was said notion, so eloquently, Rowan. The notion of loyalty is not about that exclusivity. Loyalty is something else entirely. And I think you can, whatever kind of relationship I end up having, I want that loyalty. Mm. I want to know that if, if she is spending her time with other people, that doesn't deprioritize me. If I do it, I am not deprioritizing her. That, that, we, that the sharing that we do does not end or lessen because of other distractions. And that is what I demand the most. And I, and I demand it because I'm a very self-centered person. I I think that's your right yeah. to demand that. I don't so think what you're also, what you're suggesting is uh, you know so with, I, without the bounds of reality. In theory, I'm not against a polyamorous relationship. I don't know if I'm polyamorous. Um, I've had multiple crushes, but I've never had multiple loves. All right. So I'm willing to to explore it, but I'm not willing to have someone cheat on me, for instance, and then say, oh, I'm polyamorous. Hmm. That's something you should have told me a long time ago, and then I, we could have worked it out. This is you cheating on me. I think what you're really saying is you demand proper communication yes. and honesty. I, I demand loyalty and honesty yeah. and openness. Yes. You know, I want total sharing. I, want, I like I'm, that. I'm that girlfriend. I'm going to be, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? <laughs> Where are you going? Yes, I'm, I'm that woman too. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I'm, within limits, I want, I want answers. Yeah, I think that I think that's fair. I think that all of those things, uh, you know, uh, th- there was a post on Facebook uh, a while back, and it said, "If you can't handle me at my worst, you know, you don't deserve me at my <laughs> best." And my worst is really, really bad, by the way. But my best is pretty, pretty awesome. Amazing. Yes. So I think that I mean, it, and it's and it's like that in a relationship. You should want to deal with the person yeah. in their best and in their worst, and uh, honestly, I think. You know, in, in some ways, at the, I feel like in the beginning stages of anything, before anything's set, before a routine happens, I feel like there's more flexibility for what might happen. Hmm. But after that, if, if a certain level of routine has been established and then someone says, I want to change the rules, then I'd be, but no, routine, routine, I like routine. I'd, I feel like I would be more uncomfortable then. Hmm. But I, I like 
to think that I would be open to at least talking about things. To be, I, I think you would, Rohani. I've seen you long <laughs> enough to, to, to think that you probably would be open to that. I think, though, again, what you're really asking is that you... What else do you want? You, you, you've said commitment. You, you want some kind of commitment. Yeah. Um, trust, honesty, loyalty, I, I openness. Them, I want them to share at least some of my, my political views. Some of your political views. Uh, uh, I don't. I don't require that they that they be an activist. I'm okay. not a full-term activist myself. But I'm I, a full-time lesbian. Really. Yeah, yeah, I know you're a full-time everything. Babe. <laughs> you're living several lifetimes in one. But, I am. <laughs> but I want to be able to come back and say, well, that person, that guy, is so misogynist. This this person, and I don't want them to go. Well, that's what that's what life is. Well, mm. yes, that's what life is. That's that's not the point. So political in that way, you I mean want, really understanding your feminist I viewpoint. I want them to, to be able to get what I'm saying. I I worry that they might that I might not have the same political views as them, and then mm. you know you're, it is a bit of a letdown if you're constantly having to explain yourself to your loved one and partner. So I want that. I want us both to be on the same page, uh, the same values. That's the term I want. I want us both to have the same values. Values. All right. I love what you said about uh, commitment. I think that was really quite eloquent and beautiful, Roni. I want to talk about work now. Um, what do you do in life? I'm currently a part-time content writer. This okay. Is my first, my second week, okay. and I'm already running a little behind deadlines. So you're writing content. Uh, what you've, I know you've done other things as well, and I know, I know. I mean, I know things about you. You do. That, yes, I know things about you. You write a lot. I do. I, I'm currently writing a novel. You're currently writing a novel. See, that was a leading question. I was hoping that's what was going to come out. What is the novel about? Okay, it's about three women, three young women. Two of them have superpowers. Okay, so this is not uh, a Jenny, uh, what's that girl's name on uh, L Word? Oh, no. The writer, and she writes all about the L Word. What's her name? Jenny something. Jenny something. Anyway, (laughs) this is not a Jenny thing. It's been a long time since I've seen the show. (laughs) But no, this, you know, um, in some ways it's fun because I get to experiment with with what they want and what okay. they like. And um, there's one person who, for whom all kind of sexual activity is kind of shocking. All right. And, and you, because of, She's you know, kind of a prude, is that what you're saying? It's not that she's a prude. It's that her, her, her upbringing was prudish. Okay. And there was also her experience of sex was mostly abused. Okay. So when she sees anything, even the most normal thing, it's, it's shocking to her. It's scandalous. All right. And I, I explore that. And there's someone else who's going to be my, my vanilla Okay. Heterosexual woman, but at the same time, um, you know, an ally heterosexual woman because these are three best friends. All right. You know, I'm, and I do want to work. So one of the women is queer. One of the women is queer. Okay. I, I don't think she. I, I don't think I've explored it in a in a way that has her in a community yet. Okay. But I'm still at the beginning. All I know about them is that all I know for sure about them is that two of them have superpowers. Superpowers. I like superpowers. women with superpowers. And they don't fight crime, which is really shameful. But that's shameful. It's really shameful. Are they f- at least feminists? Are they finding like some kind of you know, social crime? <laughs> you know, I, because I'm writing it, I think in the end they're going to end up being feminists. I think they're going to. I, I, I do. I think they have mothers who have, one of them has a feminist We need mother. superhero women we feminists. We need feminist superheroes. We do. But, yes. um, and the only one we get is, is someone like Wonder Woman and no one knows what to do with her. So... See, I like Wonder Woman, actually. I do, but, you know, I think people, whenever I look at them trying to make a movie about her, it's always words like, she's so iconic, we mm. have to get her just right. They're too afraid to, to... really explore her. To explore her, because 
Superman's iconic, mm. Batman's iconic. Not only is the, have they made movies about Batman, but they have they have twisted the story. Right, right. You, so why can't they just? You know that uh, Wonder Woman grew up on an island full of women. Yeah, you, she right. She's like an Amazon. Yeah, it? it's like an Amazon island or something. And she was the princess. And they wouldn't let any men be on the island. And I was always fascinated about that. Probably overly so. That should have been a sign, actually, I <laughs> it think. It should have been a sign. Yeah. I think the only thing wrong with that story is that I think originally she left because Steve Trevor crash-landed on the island. Right, yeah. So yeah. that's the only thing wrong with it. But otherwise, she's still awesome. Like, yeah. okay, so you, you, follow, you followed love. That's fine by me. Yeah, that's Doesn't okay. Matter. Yeah. Now, wait. We were supposed to talk about work. something else. We were work. Work. work, work, work. Tell me about work. You know, I have I have played it safe because um, I did I did work at ALF All right. for a short period of time. Okay. And right now, the the people for whom I'm working now, I was introduced to them via people in the community. All right. So you know, I've I've sort of at the moment I'm only playing in fields where people already know. But that, I think, really says something about who you are as a person. I, I do not, you know, I hear the stories. I hear about people who are too uncomfortable to come out of work or who come out of work and then have to deal with, you know. The fallout. The fallout. Even, and sometimes the fallout is great. Hmm. You know, you have these beautiful stories of people who tell their bosses or their peers and their peers are like, yes, that's awesome. I'm so glad that you trusted me. And these are beautiful stories. But I don't, you know, I, I sometimes don't, I don't want to have to deal with that with that particular concern. And I have the privilege to be able to, to pick and choose right now. Mm. I'm very lucky. I live with my parents. I'm not paying rent. I can, and you know, I, I can afford to say I'm going to take this job because it's slightly more interesting than that job. But since I have that privilege and since I'm lucky enough to have that, I'm, I, I'm really only doing things that are interesting and to, at places where I, if I happen to say by accident, I'm going to queer pride tomorrow, I'm marching, I don't have to then cover up and pretend that... That didn't happen. <laughs> or come out, you know? Yeah. Because sometimes they don't, you know, sometimes you don't feel like coming out. Sometimes you want to be already out. That and continuous then, process is kind of yeah. exhausting, isn't so it? So I don't mind it, but sometimes I just want to be like, I've already come out here, now we're not going to talk about it, I'm going to do my work. And if you're already in a space where they know and where they've... And they already have prior exposure. If you're doing it at ALF, this, this is these are people who are working for the queer community. Exactly. They're exactly. not going to make you, you know, they're not going to they're not going to pathologize whatever you are. Right. You know, they're all about inclusivity. If you're talking to people who are friends with with people in the LGBT community and have have just hired you because they know they want a writer, then you know that that's all that we're going to focus on. If right. it comes up in conversation, it comes up in conversation. So I've I've been picky, I've been choosy, and I've been lucky enough to be picky and choosy. Oh, I congratulate you on on your choice to to be in spaces where they are LGBT friendly. Yeah. I think that these are the kind of businesses that we should support if we're able. Uh, I know. I think it's I think it's important. I mean, everyone has their own thing. Yeah. Uh, sometimes yeah. we have to take uh, work because we need the money. Yeah. And, yeah. and I understand that, and I've been there. Um, and but it's I, a brave thing to do, especially if you're working to come out there or if you're in the LGBT um, support groups within a, a workspace. So even hmm. if you're being closeted in a workspace, it's still a, a, um, a degree of, of extra work that you have to do. And right. Uh, you know, I command that, I support that, and, you know, I keep my fingers crossed for those people. Yeah. It's just, this is a battle I don't want to fight. Yeah, personally. I, I, think, I, th- I think that your clarity about... Uh, being in spaces where you can already be who yeah. you are 
I it's think just that's, one less uh, stressor. Yeah, you know? that's commendable, Rohini. Really, it is. That's commendable. All right, now I want to talk about community. Ooh, yes. yes. I, I've already said you've been active in the community and in different support groups. Is that an important part of your life? Yes. Um, partially because, um, you know, a lot of the people whom, whom I'm naturally attracted to, and I mean as friends, as people to hang out with, and, you know, as potential partners, but a lot of them are already in these spaces. All right. Which was kind of how I figured out that I wanted to be in these spaces okay. where things were being done. Um, I like organizing things. I like uh, sort of being able to say this is this is a, a part of the community that we need to involve, that All right. we need to bring into the space, so that we need to be aware, that we need to be more inclusive of, you know. Um, and that that satisfies something in me that I didn't know needed satisfying when I was growing up. I so relate to what you just said. You know, I, in, at no point in my life if you'd said that I'm going to do anything even remotely related to, to social organizing, I'd have said, no, I'm, I'm introspective, I'm internal, I don't like people, uh, I'm a bit of a B-word, I'm not going to do that. But now I, have, I am doing this and it surprises me how much it fulfills me sometimes. Mm. It's also very stressful at other times because there are a lot of different needs in the community for different people and they conflict sometimes and personalities conflict yes but in the long run it it gives me an energy that i did not know i could have Mm. it's been very good for me personally and i'm speaking of this from from the selfish point of view Mm. you know i'm doing this for myself as much as i am doing it in a giving sense but i think when we do for others i mean obviously you're fulfilling a need that you have yeah, it's not a no one. It's not a martyrdom. It's yeah. not a sacrifice. No, it's not a sacrifice. It's something it's, that uh, you're driven to do. Yeah, mm. and, and it's unexpected, I think. And we have a good community in Bangalore in some ways. There's room for whatever you want to say or want to do. And if it means that sometimes it's like a little tower of Babel, sometimes that's good. And sometimes you, you take a step back. You say, okay, breathing time for me now. But it's, it's a very open space. There's room for everyone. Before, before we really wrap up the interview section of, uh, of today, I want to know um, what do you see as the strengths and weaknesses of our lives? Because we're, we're going to talk about WAC a little later in mm-hmm. our Where Are the Women section. What are the strengths and weaknesses? Of like being queer in Bangalore? Or being of being queer? queer specifically in Bangalore, since that's where you're originally from. And I think um, um, there, are, there is representation of some sort for most of the minorities in mm. the LGBTIQ, etc. Blah, blah, um, blah. Spectrum. Yes. Um, and, you know, we're, so we have representations from different sexualities, different genders, different transgenders, if we want to be very specific. And there's also representation for different classes and different uh, language speaking. So the fact that there is representation is good because mm. if you just leave someone with specific privileges to organize things, like right. I am a cisgendered woman um, from the upper, the middle to upper middle classes. So you can't expect me, um, you, you, can't, you can't trust me to immediately know what, what some a trans woman what or the a needs trans are of a might, trans man or a trans woman you can't in the working you can't class. trust me to do that in no matter how good my intentions are hmm. so the fact that there is representation the fact that there are that there are trans activists that there are activists for people who don't speak english um in the community all this is good um 
the problem then becomes um, there are all these competing needs and all hmm. these competing pressures. And it is, despite the fact that there are so many people, it's still a very small community. Right. So there's a very small space for all these people to be represented, to have, um, to have their say, to have their, their talents and their, their, their desires um, expressed. So that in that small space, you can get very crowded. You can have, hmm. um, and you know, and there could be some jostling. Obviously. There's a lot of jostling, and I also think that you know, um, there are very few people representing each particular thing. So you can get a small degree of monopoly yes. in some spaces, and that that's a danger. Yes. it's good because there's one place where you can go to to solve something, but it's bad because there is only that one space that you know. Yeah. And so they're the people who do the speaking. If they let you down, where, where are do, you? Where do you go next? Where do you go next? Yeah. So that's, that's the danger. Huh. All right. So many things that we've talked about. We've talked all about Rowany and the community involvement that she's had. We've talked about her lavender views on love and monogamy and commitment and polyamory. Um, uh, we've talked about her coming out with her family and her career. And uh, we have uh, more things to... Uh, to, to talk about still, but you're going to have to come back. I'm that's what to, we're going to have to do. That's what I'm aiming for. All right. Well, you're yeah. coming back. I, I mean, I knew you were coming back. Yay! Uh, yes, so we've been talking to Rowany today all about her life, her lavender life, uh, her love, her perspective on being a queer woman in India and specifically Bangalore. Uh, now we're going to shift focus just a little bit and we're going to talk about Anjali Gopal and you know this name. Yes, I do. She's yes. the founder, co-founder of NAS. Founder. She's the founder of the NAS Trust. Yes, the and she's still the executive director till now. She's still there, isn't yes, she? Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. So she's an Indian human rights and animal rights activist, founder and executive director of the NAS Foundation and Trust, which was an NGO dedicated, which is an NGO, sorry, dedicated to the fight against HIV and AIDS epidemic in India, mainly focused, and I thought this was interesting, mm. uh, on women and children. Because I think we, oh, we wow. often think of AIDS as, you know, the gay male disease. The gay male disease, the, the, the men who visit prostitutes. Exactly, disease. exactly. The drug addicts disease. Yeah. And she's doing all of this work with women and children that are living with AIDS and HIV. Which is, which is unusual, I think. We don't hear about it. Exactly. I didn't know about it until you said it just now. Yeah. Well, her early work was that she worked with uh, community-based organizations in New York where she worked for migrants from Southeast Asia who had lacked valid documents. And she started her, her like, kind of NGO kind mm -hmm, of uh, mm -hmm. work and her volunteering with them. And then she started NAS Foundation. Um, she started NAS Foundation in, I think, 2000, no, nine, nine, 1995 or something. Let me see if I can find the date here as I'm going through the... It's been around for much longer, much before they, they actually... 1994. I just yeah. found the date. 1994. Yeah. So a long time to be doing such work and at a time when it was probably not, uh, not much thought of. Yeah, not as easy to, to reach out there and, and make people aware that there's an issue here. Right, right. She, uh, she says that her main concern still remains uh, providing quality care to those who are living with the HIV infection. And she has a care home even for HIV-positive children and women. Um, when she started in the early 1990s on addressing the rights of gay men, she never thought that she would be sitting in a place like Madurai and discussing LGBT issues. She said in uh, 2000 and 
2012 when she came for one of her first prides. Uh, and she felt very ecstatic. 2012 yeah. was one of her first prides? Yeah, yeah. That is amazing. Yeah. Because the NAS Foundation has been everywhere. Everywhere, yeah. You know, you don't yeah. think of it as something that, that isn't social. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> she was, uh, in 2013, this is 25th October 2013, she was awarded the Chevalier de la Légion d'Honneur, the Knight in the Order of the Legions of Honor, which is the highest reward from France, presented to her by the Minister of Women's Rights for France, and she was the first Tamilian woman to be awarded with the Legion of Honor and the fifth Indian woman to ever receive this honor. So hats off to Anjali Gopalan. Such good work. It's amazing. And, and, and really amazing what one woman can do if she just decides, okay, now I'm going to do something. Yeah, if you, know, if you, if you sit down and organize things, if you yes. call together people. Yes. Yes, and it takes it takes that, right? It takes, it takes that. that. It takes that calling together and coming together. That's kind of, uh, in one way, what we were talking about on the break. And let's go into where are the women right now. Let's yes. go into where are the where are the women. So where are the women is where we talk about support groups, uh, where we talk about uh, different safe spaces that you can uh, find uh, a, someone to talk to, maybe uh, someone that needs that understands where you're coming from, that understands your needs. Um, and we talk about different groups all over Bangalore, uh, places in Chennai and Hyderabad. Uh, I think I haven't, I haven't hit Pune yet. I'm going to hit Pune soon. Uh, Calcutta, I know that I've spoken about Sappho, for instance. Today, since Rohini's in the studio, I thought it would be a really good idea to focus on WAC, um, yeah. because she is the current facilitator of WAC. And WAC is, we're here in queer women in Bangalore, um, women of all queer identities that are from uh, or living in Bangalore. And I think living in Bangalore is really much better to say because it's a diverse group, I, I no? There are very few actual born and brought up Bangaloreans. There the are. Group, there I are. Think. There are some Connecticut's. There, there are, are a few. But, but there's an overwhelming migrant, if, I, if you want to call them that, people who come from Bombay or Delhi or yes. um, anywhere, anywhere but here. Oh, yes, no. yes. I mean, I think, uh, I, I know that we've had German members, we've mm. had French members, uh, certainly we've had American members, uh, British have. members, Ooh, yes. uh, and then inside of India, uh, we, we've even had a Korean member. Oh, We yes. have, yes. And then inside of India, there's been, uh, I mean, I think every major city is represented. Every. Every major city is represented. So, um, what do you want to say about WAC? Um, generally, that uh, we're a safe space for queer women in Bangalore. If you're feeling lonely, if you feel like you have something that you want to talk about, you are not just welcome, but you are invited and, and encouraged and encouraged to reach out to find us. Um, Mari will give you our addresses because she has them all yes, written down. Yes, I have them all written down waiting. We meet every Wednesday and every other Saturday. If you'd like the details of our meetings, we don't air them publicly because we want to maintain that it is uh, it, it to be a safe place. And so we don't ever air uh, the details of our location. We have a WAC hotline that's just been set up by one of our members, and the number is 819-707-WHAQ or in numerals, that's 9427. Again, that number is 819-707-9427. You can reach us by email at WACBangalore, one word, W-H-A-Q, Bangalore, at gmail.com. 
And our Facebook, uh, we have a Facebook page. It's www.facebook.com slash WACBangalore. And we have both a blog spot and a Tumblr. That's www.tumblr.com slash WACBangalore and http slash colon slash slash WAC.blogspot.in. Our primary goal was to create a place of support, promote fellowship, cause awareness, and finally to increase visibility because I think that's an issue. I think a lot of women tend to uh, either find one person or a few people with whom they can be comfortable and then not step out any further. And a lot of women don't find even that. So they have nowhere to go. They have no one to talk to. And I'm not saying that you have to surround yourself with queer women all your life, but if you have no one to talk to about it, if you have no one to be with, you're alone. You're closeted even if you're not closeted. That's correct. So this is a way to make sure that even if you don't want to hang out with lesbians 24-7, when you want to talk to someone, when you need to talk to someone, there's something happening. And it's happening regularly. It's not a flash in the dark that happens once in a blue moon. Yeah, I think that's that's it's 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 good that we keep it regular. We're going to be wrapping up today, Roni. Thank you so much for coming. I've had a lovely time. I've had a lovely time. It's been a lovely time. I hope that you guys are going to be doing great things for today. And uh, until next time, I want to thank everyone else for listening. Come back and see us soon. Bye bye. Bye.